original plan for today was for it to be a big mission day. Uh, we would do our big mission about the presentation about the Ukraine trip and talk about missions. And as the Lord would have it, uh, he decided to do something else. And so I'm here before you, preaching. So let us pray for that right now. Father, I'm so glad to come before you and so humble that I can uh, be preaching here in front of my brothers and sisters, Lord. And I also pray right now for Pastor Jeremy as he's in North Carolina preaching. And I pray for that both of us that we preach with boldness, respect, and peacefulness that you have given us. It all comes down to worshiping you. Get me out of the way, Father, as we declare your name. In your son's holy name we pray. Amen. So I think it's awesome. It's kind of hot right now because it's like, you know, it's like we're in the equator of some country, you know, on a mission trip or something, worshiping with no air conditioning. So I think it's kind of cool. So just place yourself there for now. Um, a number of months ago, I was speaking with a client regarding mission trips. And at the time, my father was about to take his second mission trip to Nigeria. And if you don't know, Nigeria is not a very peaceful place for Christians right now. It's like pretty hostile. There's a Muslim sect there that's been killing hundreds of Christians over the past couple of years, hundreds. And so my client was really confused, really confused why we would go, us Christians would go to places like Nigeria, put our lives on the line for the sake of spreading the gospel. Why would we do that? And maybe you've had similar conversations with friends or family where they've asked you, why do you have to share your faith? Why can't you just let people live their lives like they want to? So with that theme of missions in mind, I'm hoping to address some of those kind of questions. And I pray, I hope that this will be an encouragement to us when it comes to glorifying and declaring the name of Jesus Christ. And if you're new to the gospel, or if you're yet to accept the gift of grace, I hope this will help you better understand, at least, why Christians feel this need to share their faith. So we're looking into Psalm 96. And right off the bat, if you wanted to read Psalm 95 through 100, you would see this common thread that goes throughout the Psalms. Okay? And this thread is about the Lord's reign over all the earth. Now when it comes to Psalm 96, it's at the beginning of these Psalms, and it has two major themes in it. You know, one theme is the Gentile theme. That's like all the people of the earth, right? And we'll call that theme, what is our mission? All right? And the second theme is the Lord's kingship theme. And that is his, who he is. And we'll call that why we need missions. So with that overall arcing message, we're going to drive home this calling as believers and followers of Jesus Christ for missions. Our mission to proclaim and declare God's message of salvation throughout the earth. That's our calling. That's our mission. So I'm going to reread the first three verses here to start. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name, tell of his salvation from day to day, declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. Right from the beginning, we're commanded to do something. Sing. Sing what? A new song. So throughout scripture, I'm wondering, whoa, what is that new song about? You know, we've heard worship leaders talk about, we've heard in our worship songs, sing a new song, Lord, sing a new song, congregation. And we'll find that throughout scripture, because in so much of scripture, 
that when a new song is sung to God, it's because God's people have witnessed his marvelous works. This song points to the work of God's salvation throughout history. God continues to save his people again and again. So we are instructed again and again to sing a new song about that. This saving work continues until the ultimate saving work of Jesus Christ. So this song also reflects and declares a new experience of God's salvation. So we can find that example in Revelations 14. I'll just read it here. And I heard a voice from heaven like the roar of many waters and like the sound of loud thunder. The voice I heard was like the sound of harpists playing on their harps. And they were singing a new song before the throne and before the four living creatures and before the elders. No one could learn this song except the 144,000 who had been redeemed from the earth. So even at the end, when it's all ushering in, this new creation has started. Wait, there's my news. When this new creation has started, we'll still be singing this new song. And so why do we sing it now? We sing it now so we can be reminding ourselves of what the Lord has done for us. Matthew Henry says that we have a reason to do this often. And we have a need to be reminded of it. Salvation, his salvation, and stirred up to it. So the more we remind ourselves of this salvation, the more we'll stir up to it, rising above all the murkiness of earth, right, in this world. Now, I don't know about you, but if you're like me, you know, you, you wake up in the morning and you're off and going, you know. I, 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 this week I have, my, I have my devotional, you know, and then, and then I'm, up, I'm up watching the Olympics, what I recorded the night before, and so, and then three hours later I'm, I'm in the world and I'm busy, I'm doing stuff, and and I, I need to sing this song more. Because the more I, I fall off, the more arguments I get into with, with Katie or, or, or other people, I need to be singing this song more. And what the psalmist says here is we need to be singing it from day to day if we are truly blessing his name. If we are speaking of God's glory in our daily lives, the goal is to move others to speak of his glory as well. Now, what kind of glory are we speaking of? We'll find that in verse 3. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. His marvelous works, what he has done for us. There's no greater work than that of the saving grace found in the Lord Jesus Christ. We are to declare that among the nations, declare his saving works among the peoples. God's glory should blanket the entire world. If you have ever been on a mission trip or even a, a mission trip that's taking you out of your typical cultural climate, all right, you've been with people that praise differently than you, that, that speak a different language as they praise, if you stood there witnessing them praise God in their language, it's awesome. It's like this beautiful thing because your head really doesn't know what they're saying, but your heart does. Because they're singing this new song that you know. You know? And I, I, and I think we should do that sometime in here. I think we should, like, do worship songs in our native language, in our first language, and, like, we're all just singing at the same time and stuff. So by your faces, that would just be a mess. So, okay, never mind then. I mean, I don't know. John, maybe work that out or something. I don't know. Um, so if our desire to spread God's glory, okay, could be measured on a scale. Like, say, like, the homeland 
security advisory scale. You remember that scale? It was like the colors, like red was like severe, terrorists going to kill us. And then, then, then the orange was like the high risk, and then the yellow, then the blue, and then green. So we can measure our desire to spread his glory on that kind of scale. What would yours be? I mean, red would be like, I'm on fire. I got to do this. I got to do it all the time. And then orange would be, you know, like, yeah, yeah. And then yellow, and then orange, blue, and green. And I'll be honest. I'll be honest. I'm up here. I'll be honest. You know, I fall more in the line of that blue and that green. You know, I'm kind of guarded, but it's kind of low, you know. And why is that? Why is that? I think it's about that verse 5. Verse 5 says, For all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols, but the Lord made the heavens. I find myself falling in the line with worshiping these worthless idols. I worship these idols like, like my time is so important. You know, I don't really have time to declare the Lord right now. That could be reserved for another day. But my time is His time. I, I find my, 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 my reputation... My reputation is too important. You know, what will people think? What will people say if I start declaring the Lord to them? How will they look at me? But my life is his life. And then we forget, we forget verse 4, right? We skip right over it. We say, we forget the, for great is our Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. We forget that part, so we fall in line with that, that, that worthless idols part, and we say, oh, but i got to remember, i got to remember that he is to be feared above all gods. That fear and that respect should be given to him, not to anybody else, because we know from Scripture that an idol has no real existence. There is but one God. One. 1 Corinthians 8.4. And I want to make it clear that God does not love us based on our urgency. All right? He doesn't love us based on that scale. So praise God for that, right? He loves us despite our lack of urgency. But the more we can run to that love, the more we run to that cross, the more our urgency will grow to share him. Because. So another word for four used here from the Hebrew can be the word because. And I kind of like this translation, actually. So it would read like this, starting in verse 3. Declare the glory among the nations, his marvelous works among the peoples, because great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods, because all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. What type of strength are we talking about? The type of strength that conquers death. That's the type of strength. What type of beauty are we talking about? It's the type of beauty that would send the Lord that made the heaven down to us, bowing down on the knee, washing the feet of his bride. The same bride that would send him to the cross. That's the type of beauty we want to declare. And why? What should we assign to this God? That made the heavens. Assign to the Lord, verse 7. Ascribe to the Lord, church, families of the people. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. 
Bring an offering and come into His courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before Him all the earth. This is the, this is the meat of it right here. This is the meat of why we need missions. Because the Lord is not getting the glory He deserves. We are not ascribing, we are not assigning the credit the Lord deserves. John Piper has this awesome quote on missions. He says, missions is not the ultimate goal of the church. Worship is. Missions exist because worship doesn't. And this is hard stuff for us. Because we see it all the time, don't we? We see it in our own lives. We see it in the lives of people that we love, we care about. We see it in coworkers that they don't give God the glory that his name deserves. So we need to be on mission. I mean, I have a coworker who's a lesbian, and she's like really hostile towards Christians. You know, since I'm the only Christian in the office, she's kind of hostile towards me. Um, and we had some rough times this last year, like rough conversations, and uh, it's led to some really tense moments in the office, right? And I've gone so far as to ask brothers and sisters here for prayer and counsel about it. I've asked people in other states, like, how do I best declare God's glory to her? And I praise God that through his strength, I've been able to hold tight to his truth and do that. Because at least there, I've been able to let go of this idol of my reputation because I want her to speak well of him. At this point, I don't really care if she speaks well of me. I want her to know him and who he is. Katie and I had a dinner with a missionary on Friday night, and we brought up this subject, and we're talking about it. And he was saying, like, I, I thought these words were actually pretty cool. He was saying that you guys got to remember that these people that you speak to, they're like dust, you know, rotting away, you know. And now that I kind of say that, it kind of sounds harsh, but I mean, he said it with love, you know. He's basically saying that, that these people are not who we should be fearing and respecting. It should be the Lord who we're looking at. And we should be glorifying him by speaking to them about it. Now, obviously, we can't be just you know, disrespectful when we do this. We've got to be renewing our minds from Romans 12, 2. We've got to be renewing our minds and, and falling in line, but not conforming to what the world says we should be doing. We've got to be renewing our minds to God's will, and that's declaring his glory. This is what God does when we are on purposeful mission for him. He gives us opportunities to share his glory to people. And these opportunities can be uncomfortable at times. There's no doubt about that. But through them, we will grow more in him, which is our goal, right? We want to know him more. So that John Piper quote continues. It says, When the age is over and the countless millions of the redeemed fall on their faces before the throne of God, Missions will be no more. It is a temporary necessity. So that reminds me a lot of that Revelations 14 verse. And when it's all said and done, the whole earth will be worshiping. And yeah, we won't need to be on mission anymore. But for now, we definitely do need to be. So let us bring an offering to the Lord today. An offering of our life as a living sacrifice to spread his glory among the nations. I, I really love the Olympics. I do. I like it a lot. Because um, it's every country's opportunity to declare its athletic dominance over the rest of the world. 
you know, and I'm not counting the Winter Olympics, that's something else, so I'm not counting it. Um, but it's this awesome moment where we get to say, yeah, we're the best, we're the best in pole vaulting in the world, or whatever, you know. Um, and yeah, we try to say it's Olympic spirit, that's in there, sure, that's in there. But no, we, we count the medals, that's why we know it's about the medal count and all that stuff. So it's about declaring our glory, and, and, and that moment on the podium is about that athlete being like, I'm the best pole vaulter in the world in this year, and, and you know, I get to declare myself and glorify myself, and that nation's flag gets to be raised, and national anthem gets to be played, and everyone's like, yes, you know. Yeah, you, Bolaria or whatever, you're not as good as me. And that's what that moment is supposed to be about, okay? But in 1968, in the Mexico Games, Tommy Smith, who had just set a new world record for the 200-meter dash, and John Carlos, two Americans, decided to declare something else when they did this. So they did what's called the Black Power Salute. This was in 1968 in the midst of the Civil Rights Movement happening in America. Because they wanted to bring attention to something going on in the U.S. And they wanted to bring attention to the entire world. Now I won't go into the politics of this because that's not what this is about. What I'm trying, the point I'm trying to make here is these men did something extremely radical for something they believed in. If you've ever watched the tape of this, as the anthem is being played, you start to hear these boos build up in the stadium. People begin to see what they're doing, and they start to boo them, just rain down on them. They get ushered off, and people are just booing them. The International Olympic Committee president at the time ordered that they be suspended from the team, which led to two athletes being expelled from the games. They received death threats for months after the games. And they were ostracized from the U.S. sporting establishment for years because of what they did. And now, in 21st century, now the same community that ostracized them and, and threatened them, they consider that what they did heroic. In 2011 speech, a member of the Canadian Olympic Committee said, they have been an inspiration to generations of athletes like myself who can only aspire to their example of putting principle before personal interest. So I'd like to invite the worship team back up you know, as I close here. Men did something Extremely radical, these men who are at the top of their respected vocations because they weren't full-time civil rights activists, just as none of us are full-time missionaries. But they felt a need to declare something. So in this moment when it was about declaring themselves and declaring their nation, they made themselves less to declare something they believed in, a work they believed in. So how much more is the glory that we declare? The work he has done for us. So I want to end with the words of Paul here from 
1 Corinthians. Look at that, 1 Corinthians again. First Corinthians chapter nine. Do you not know that in a race all runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games, they go into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last. But we get it to get a crown that will last forever. Let us run the race to glorify him. Let me pray. Father, I I cannot thank you, Lord, for giving us the breath to praise you. Father, may we worship you, Lord. May you give us the strength to declare your name in the times that seem uncomfortable. May you give us the strength and the love to declare your name to the people that are close to us in our lives, Lord. For that is why you've chosen us, Father. You've given us each talents and gifts to be able to do that, Lord, to declare you, to praise you. Let us come into your courts, Father, every day, singing your salvation from day to day. We thank you for the cross, Lord. We thank you for the marvelous works. We would like to sing a new song to you. In your son's holy name we pray. Amen.